welcome to the Cork Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are joining us today. We hope this message inspires you, builds your faith, and encourages you in the things of the Lord. Enjoy the message. Shall we pray one more time? I know we've just prayed, but let's pray again. Yeah, can't hurt. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you, Lord. I want to second everything Pastor Stephen has just prayed. Your word does the work, Lord. Isn't that a wonderful reality today? It's your word that does the work. It's your word that breaks the yoke. It's your word that grants us the freedom and the liberty, God. And so that's what we pray for tonight, that you would grace us with greater liberty, greater freedom. You've given us everything already in yourself. But we pray, Lord, that we would begin to rise up in what is already ours, Lord. The promises, every promise is yes and amen in you, Lord. Give us the grace to stand in faith today and begin to walk in what you have given us at the cross. So we love you. Give me the strength. Give me the anointing. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the anointing. I need it. I am uh, uh, I'm very much in need of it this evening. And I just pray for the people that they would receive also, Lord. So we just bless your name. We thank you, God. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Folks, tonight I want to talk about silencing the voice of failure silencing the voice of failure. And so would you turn with me to Numbers chapter 17. Numbers chapter 17, and uh, just a very, very uh, brief uh, bit of context for you. The children of Israel, it's during their wanderings in the desert, and Korah uh, has just led a 250-man rebellion against Moses, who's God's anointed leader, and his brother Aaron. Uh, uh, he's challenged them, and God has had to answer in a dynamic way to put this uh, rebellion, to quash this rebellion. And uh, literally, uh, it picks up hot off of it um, here in 17 verse 1. So what I'm going to do is just read out um, all of chapter 17. It's not that long, uh, and then we'll get into it. Are you ready? Yeah. Let's do it. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel and get from them staffs, one for uh, each uh, of the father's houses, uh, from all their chiefs, according to the father's houses, 12 staffs. Write each man's name on his staff and write Aaron's name on the staff of Levi. For there shall be one staff for the head of each father's house. Then you shall deposit them in the tent of meeting before the testimony where I meet with you. And the staff of the man whom I choose shall sprout. Thus I will make to cease from me the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against you. Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and all their chiefs gave him staffs, one for each chief according to their father's houses, twelve staffs. And the staff of Aaron was among their staffs, and Moses deposited the staffs before the Lord in the tent of the testimony. On the next day, Moses went into the tent of the testimony, and behold, the staff of Aaron for the house of Levi had sprouted and put forth buds and produced blossoms, and it bore ripe almonds. That's amazing, folks. Amazing. Then Moses brought out uh, all the staffs from the Lord uh, to the people of Israel, and they looked, and each man took his staff. And the Lord said to Moses, 
put back the staff of Aaron before the testimony to be kept as a sign for all the rebels and you may make an end, that you may make an end of their grumblings against me lest they die. Thus did Moses as the Lord commanded him, so he did. You know, I think I'll just leave it in verse 11, uh, there at verse 11. And I'm going to tell you another story. Uh, It's a story from my childhood. By this point, you'll probably be anticipating correctly, this has something to do with basketball. It does have something to do with basketball. Uh, Love basketball. Uh, It just didn't love me back. And so I'm going to tell you a story uh, from my checkered past, the game I loved that didn't love me. Uh, When I was about 14, I tried out for Neptune Basketball Stadium, uh, Cork's very own uh, basketball elite stadium, whatever you want to call it. So so I I sort of plucked up my courage. I wore my freshest white gym socks. I wore my Jordan jersey. I wore my sweatbands. And I went to tryouts to try out for the basketball team. And uh, I felt like I was maybe better than some of the guys that were on the team. However, unfortunately, I wasn't the most confident player in the world. And I will never forget the day um, I was running around trying to, you know, trying to play the game. And uh, the coach called me to the side. And he's a guy, I remember the North Cork accent like it was yesterday. He uh, didn't, didn't even look me in the eyes. He, he was looking at his... Um, Clipboard, he said, you know, Patrick, you didn't make the team at all, boy. You know, I just said it that way. I mean, there was nothing in it. But for me, it just was like, it was, it was like, it's like it defined me in the moment. I didn't get in. I wasn't good enough. I'd failed. I'd failed. And so I remember, I, I, you know, I stuck around, I finished the practice. Uh, I even played a little one-on-one with one of the guys who got on the team, but it really annoyed me because I beat him like handily and it was really, it just, it annoyed me. But anyway, it was definitive. I'd failed to make it onto the team. I remember driving home that day, couldn't talk to my dad. And I, I, you know, from that point on, and I'll be really honest with you, even to this day, I find competitive sports difficult. I find them difficult. It's as if my coach from when I was 14, I'm I'm just a fraction older than 14 now. Uh, It's like my coach from when I was 14, his voice is still ringing in my ear. You know, didn't make the team, Patrick Boy. Except now he says a lot of things. You're not that good, boy, and you're not that quick, and you don't jump that high, and you're you're not sort of thing. And it's, it's amazing how failure has the power to speak to us long after the failure happened. It's amazing how it works. It's amazing how the voice of failure can keep us from trying again, right? Trying again. Now, I'm not saying I was called to play basketball, right? I'm not saying that. But folks, we're all called to something. And if there's failure, sometimes the voice of failure can be enough to dislodge us from the thing that we're called to. The question tonight is this, how can I continue on after failure? How can I stand uh, in my God-given calling and identity after failure? Some of you maybe are even asking, how can I be a husband again, a wife again, or a parent? Is it over for me? When you fail, it's hard to go back to the place where you failed and try again. 
See, the voice of failure seeks to disqualify us, to discourage us, all that sort of thing. And so today, I want to look at the voice of failure. I, don't, I want to look at how we overcome that voice. And Aaron is actually a perfect example. Aaron is an amazing study, character study from the Scriptures. So walk with me today uh, from just a, an overview. We're going to look at the voice of failure. And we're going to look at how God saves us from the effects of our past failures. And then we're going to look at the power of, uh, the power of a sign, how we get to live above the voice of failure. Folks, uh, if you're still with me, say amen. amen. Okay, fantastic. Let's do it then. So let's jump in. First and foremost, let's look at the voice of failure. Folks, failure creates insecurities. There is no doubt about it. When you look at Aaron's life, it was actually tragic. It was tragic. Up until this point here in number 17, Aaron's life had been littered with failure. It had been littered with failure. The failure of the golden calf. The failure of gossiping with Miriam against his brother. Even the failure of his two sons, who on the day he was consecrated as a priest, went to light an illegal fire, an unsanctioned fire, and were struck down. And in that moment, the Bible says, Aaron had to hold his peace. He failed as a brother, as a leader, and as a father, and he had to internalize that. Aaron made a lot of mistakes in his life and in his ministry. There was no doubt about it. He'd failed, failed as a father, failed as a leader, failed as a brother, and now here in this text, in the passage, voices had risen up in the camp against him. Korah's rebellion was all about who should be priest. Who should be the Levite who would lead the priesthood. That's what the rebellion was all about. And Korah and his band looked on it, Aaron, saw a guy who'd failed a lot and thought, well, hey, maybe I could do it too. And so they'd risen up against Korah. They'd risen up, uh, sorry, against Aaron. They'd risen up against his, uh, his right as the priest. And folks, the first point I want to make today is this. Failure will always give rise to voices. Failure will always give rise to voices. Voices that seek to delegitimize us, to tell us why we shouldn't be where we are and why we shouldn't be who God has called us, made us to be. When we experience failure, voices can begin to rise up. I've got in front of me seven effects of failure on us. I got some of them from psychology today if you want to check it out. But I want to look at how failure speaks to us. First effect of failure is failure makes the same goal seem less attainable. In other words, failure says to us, you need to aim lower. Look what happened the last time. Second effect, failure also distorts your perceptions of your abilities. In other words, failure says to you, this is beyond you. You could never do that. Failure makes you believe that you're helpless. In other words, failure says to you, if God was with you, you wouldn't have failed. A single failure experience can create an unconscious fear of failure. 
In other words, I don't want to be defined by my failures again. I don't want to be defined by them again. Failure can lead, fear of failure can lead to uh, unconscious self-sabotage. Fear of failure can be transmitted from parents to children even. So many of us are afraid of failure because our parents made us feel like failure was, was unacceptable. I think we know what it's like to fail and, and feel that from the people around you, people you love, could be parents in some cases. And finally, the pressure to succeed increases performance anxiety and it can cause choking. In other words, it's hard to rest in what we're called to be and do when we're afraid to fail. See what I'm saying? Is there anyone out there who can identify with what I'm saying to you? You know, the voice of failure... I, what I uh, felt that God was leading me to do an event, okay? And the event uh, we decided would be in the marina marketplace. It would be for youth. It would be for young people. Uh, we would call it Lifeline. And so we began to move towards this event. It was exciting. We got a, a UK grime artist to come and perform we got OM to set up to do the sound. We had posters. We had uh, radio interviews. We, even, we were even going to do smash burgers. We'd, we had uh, you know, equipment, everything ready to go. The, the machine was moving. Uh, people even donated money miraculously to the event. It was amazing, the momentum that was picking up. It was tremendous. Uh, until I got a call from the manager at the Marina Marketplace to say, unfortunately, a man who was putting up a vent on the roof had fallen and had seriously injured himself. And so they weren't able to go ahead with the event. I tried two other venues. They both fell apart. And before I knew it, I was left with something that I felt couldn't go on. So we pulled the plug. It was a failure. I'm going to be transparent with you on a Wednesday night. Is that okay? It was a failure. It was. Now, the voice of failure can be external and it can be in, in, internal. That, that voice. And, and it was internal. I felt like I'd failed. I felt like I got it wrong. I, I questioned whether or not I'd heard from God. I questioned, Lord, was this even right? Was this even, was this even you? I, I questioned myself. I lost confidence in myself. I found it that much harder to even think about doing an event like that again. But it wasn't just that. I felt that people also lost confidence in me. I felt that they sort of started to wonder whether or not if I came up with an idea, it was a good idea, or a God idea. What an interesting dichotomy. Let me say that right. Let me say this to you. If it's biblical, it's a good idea and a God idea at the same time. That's my opinion. But anyway, the reason why I'm sharing that to you is because failures have that effect on your life. You know, Aaron 
had failed and failed and failed. But he was still functioning in his role. He was still left in that place, although he'd failed. He probably felt like a fraud. He probably felt like an imposter. You ever hear of imposter syndrome? No? Let's, let's talk about it. Imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. And it has been estimated that nearly 70% of individuals will experience signs and symptoms of imposter phenomenon at least once in their life. I want to ask you tonight as we go on, are you listening to the voice of failure today? Do you feel like an imposter, like a fraud? Do you feel unworthy in the place that God has you because you've made mistakes, because you've failed? Do you feel unworthy in your marriage, in your job, in your skin? Folks, the voice of failure seeks to time stamp you, to define your future potential by your past mistakes. Past results equal future performance. If you can no longer believe that your future success is possible because of past failures, maybe you are listening to the voice of failure today. Maybe it has caused you to try harder, to prove yourself to others, to yourself, to perform. Folks, this was Aaron's experience. This was where Aaron was at. Voices were questioning whether or not he had a right to be where God had called him to be, put him to be, because of the failures in his life. Folks, look at the text here. The Bible says that God spoke to Moses. He spoke to Moses and Aaron. And what did he say? What was he doing? We need to be saved from the effects of our past failures, you see. It's not possible to just sort of pull up our bootstraps and live beyond past failure and, and the shadow it can cast over us. See, the scriptures say that the Lord heard what was being spoken about Aaron and Moses even. And the Lord, it was as if the Lord said, enough is enough. It was as if the Lord said, enough is enough. You see, folks, God will not allow those voices to continue to rise up and invalidate you. God is not okay with us listening to the voice of failure and feeling unworthy and feeling invalidated in the place that he's called us to be. That is not God's heart. And God got to a point where he had to speak and, and cause a, a chain of events to happen to stop this sort of thing from completely undermining the men that he had put in place. God heard their voices. God will vindicate his servants always. The people he has chosen, that's you and me. Look at Deuteronomy 32 verse 36. For the Lord will vindicate his people, hallelujah, and will have compassion on his servants when he sees that their strength is gone. When he sees that their strength is gone and there is none remaining, God will rise up on behalf of his 
servants. That's you and that's me. When we're listening to the voice of failure and past failures and we feel incapacitated and paralyzed and unworthy, that's when God says, that's enough of that. That's who he is. How can I live above the voice of failure? How can I remain confident and hopeful and planted in my God-given calling and identity? How can I believe that I am where I'm supposed to be, doing what I'm supposed to do? That failure isn't some revelation of my fraudulence? How can I live this way? Well, it lays it out here in the text. God speaks to Moses and Aaron and he says, this is what I want you to do. The first thing he says is I want you to get all the staffs and we're going to break all this down, all the staffs and rods from all the leaders that turn out to be 12, depending on the commentators, roughly 12 and bring them after their names have been written on the staffs and put them, bring them to the tent of meeting, bring them to the place of the testimony where I meet with you outside the tabernacle. In other words, God said, the first thing you need to do with the voices of failure that are haunting you is you need to bring them to me. You need to bring every argument that rises up against you to me. You need to bring everything that says you shouldn't be where you are because of failure to my presence. And you need to lay them all down. All the arguments. Now, let me break this down. The rods of the leaders and the rod of Aaron. See, the staff, the rods, they represented authority. That's what they represented. It represented the headship of every one of the tribes and the princes within the tribes. But it also represented their claims or their arguments for why they should be where Aaron was. In other words, they were the arguments against Aaron's right to be where God called him to be. Okay? Korah's men had their arguments against Aaron. Why his right to remain as the priest was invalid. Aaron's staff was even among those that are gathered. Now, follow, follow me, guys. Failure can speak from without. That's the, the staffs of the other leaders. And it can speak from within. That's Aaron's staff. Arguments. They're arguments that carry authority. Do you follow me? They're claims against you and they have authority. And and oftentimes, these arguments that come to us, the voices of failure, they can come with strength. They can come with a type of authority. God says, you need to bring them all into my presence. The stuff you're hearing from people and the stuff you're telling yourself, you need to bring it all to me. Okay, don't hold on to them. We want to consider these sorts of arguments, these voices, we, because they come with authority. We want to sort of consider what they have to say. We want to pull them apart. We want to meditate on them. Folks, the longer you hold on to the arguments that are against you, the louder they become. We can't hold on to the opinions of others towards our failures or even our own feelings. We can't. We need to recognize what they are. They are arguments that come against the call of God on our lives. 
We can't hold them. We have to bring them to him. Amen. The scriptures say we have to lay them down before the testimony in the presence of the Lord. It's amazing. On top of the ark was the mercy seat, the ark of the covenant. You go through the outer courts, you go into the holy place and then the most holy place. There's the ark and on it was the mercy seat on which the Shekinah glory resided. So in placing the rods before the ark, Moses was laying them in front of Yahweh the judge of all the earth, who would now settle the controversy over who he designated to be high priest. Bring the arguments against you. Bring the negative feelings that are generated through your failures. Lay them before the Lord. Bring them toward the Lord. The Lord will speak and tell you his judgment. Amen. Let me show you exactly what this looks like from the book of Romans. Romans 8, chapter 33. Paul writes, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. The New Living Translation says it this way, who dares accuse us when God has chosen for his own? What an amazing reality. When you bring it all before the God of who, the Yahweh, the judge of all, What's God's response? I have something to say. I've chosen you. I've chosen you. Failure can't disqualify you. What they say about you can't disqualify you. How you feel about you can't disqualify you. In my presence, you will hear my voice. You will hear what I have to say about you. You'll hear what I want you to hear. Who dares accuse us? Whom God has chosen for, him, for his own? No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Bring it all to me. I will speak. I will say my peace. I have chosen you for my own Folks, in his presence, we hear another voice. God says, I have justified you. What does that mean? It means he's declared, he's pronounced, he's spoken. One, to be just or righteous, or just as, he is ought, just as he's ought to be. In other words, God declares over you, in my sight, you are as you ought to be. Your failure isn't final. It can't define your future. Another definition is it's to show or exhibit or give a reason, to give evidence. So God would say, I have evidence to the country. Your failures and what they are, say what they say about you, whatever evidence that they provide, whatever they say about your future, I have evidence to the country. I have evidence to the country. And I'm gonna, I don't wanna, I don't wanna spoil my own sermon, so I'm just gonna keep going. God says, I've got evidence to the country pointing to a very different future. Can somebody say amen tonight? I know it's Wednesday and we're tired and all of that, but can somebody say amen? 
in his presence, God speaks something different to the voices of failure and your negative feelings that are fixed on your performance that would disqualify you from the confidence to stand where God has placed you. God is saying something different. Look, the text says, God says, I want you to bring them to the testimony where I'm accustomed to meeting with you. Accustomed. Can I ask you tonight, do you have a place and a time where the Lord is accustomed to meeting with you? It's not some religious exercise, folks. God is a God of relationship. He's a God of relationship. John 15, we'll go there later. Jesus calls us to abide in his love. Abide in me. Come be with me. I love you. Come be in my presence. I want to say something different to you than what you're hearing around you or feeling within you. In my presence, in my love, you will hear my voice. Come be with me, sit with me, listen to me. Look at Romans eleven twenty nine. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. The Amplified Version says, For he does not withdraw what he has given, nor does he change his mind about those to whom he gives his grace or to whom he sends his call. Folks, come on tonight. I'm reading that again. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, for he does not withdraw what he has given, even if you fail, even if you fail, nor does he change his mind, even if you fail, about those, about you and me, about you and me. He doesn't change his mind about us. He will still give us his grace and he will still send his call. This is amazing. This kind of grace is amazing. And it's there in his presence. I don't care what the voice of failure has to say. I'm not changing my mind about you. Aaron, I'm not changing my mind about you. Bring their arguments, bring your own, bring every argument, bring all your evidence for why you should be disqualified, why you shouldn't be where you are. I'm not changing my mind about you. That's Jesus, folks. That's Jesus. This is how we let go of our failures. It's his voice in the intimate places. It's his voice, his love in relationship. That's what God was saying. You, you don't even entertain it, Moses. Don't entertain it anymore, Aaron. Bring it to me. I have something to say. I have something to say. It's the first thing. We lay it down. The next thing, there's something that can give us the confidence. There is the fruitfulness that we all want to have in our lives as Christian people. It comes from God. It's according to God. Let me show you. Uh, there is a hope in failure. There's a confidence that the Lord would have us walk in tonight, folks, so that we can try again, stand again, believe again, in spite of, uh, in spite of past failures. The confidence is this. God says, the man, the staff of the man 
I choose shall sprout. In other words, if I choose you, the evidence of my choice is fruit. That means I may have failed, but my life will bear fruit because I'm chosen. If I choose you, you bear fruit. If I choose you, it's that you might bear fruit and that fruit will last. John 15, we're going there. We are so going there tonight. Because I've chosen you, you will bear fruit. So even if you fail, your calling will ensure that there will be fruit in your life. The sign of his choice in your life is resurrection, life, and power. The evidence of my calling isn't that I don't fail, but it's that I will rise from failure. That's the power of the call. Oh, I failed, but I'm called. Oh, I didn't get it all right, but I'm called. Oh, it's not, I, there's no fruit on the vine. I'm, oh, you know, where's my fruit? I'm called though. Can we start talking back to the devil? I feel it tonight. Can we start talking back to the devil? Where's the fruit in your life? So-and-so's bearing fruit. So-and-so's bearing fruit. This person's being mightily used by God. Where's all your fruit? Listen, I'm called, man. Go bother someone else. It's not if, it's when. God called me. There is a confidence in failure. God called me. He's not taking it back. The staff of the man I choose shall sprout. The evidence isn't perfection, it's resurrection. You can't keep a cold man down. You can't keep a cold woman in the grave. Luke 22, 31, Jesus says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Hallelujah, because I'm called, he'll turn failure into fruitfulness. He'll do it. He'll cause the place of failure to become fruitful. He's able. Folks, can we expect resurrection power tonight? Can we begin to embrace that? Can we begin to say, I'm called, so I'm going to bear fruits. Hallelujah. And look at this. Verse 8 is amazing. The Bible says Moses went the following morning and Aaron's staff had budded, buds, blossoms, and ripe almonds every stage of the almonds all at once. You know, in the scriptures, almonds are a picture of renewal. Hallelujah. We serve a God of renewal, a God of renewal. Failure had locked Aaron in, but God is a God of renewal. And, and there are buds and there are blossoms and there are ripe almonds. In other words, God can renew you at any stage of your life. Hallelujah. He can renew you when you're young, buds. He can renew you in middle age, blossoms. And he can renew you when, it, when you're old, when you feel like time is gone and it's too late. God can still renew you. Hallelujah. Surely this is what Paul means in Ephesians 3.20. Far more abundantly beyond all we can ask or think. That is how much renewal he can bring into your life. The spirit he's put inside of you is a spirit of resurrection, life, and renewal. That means anytime I can bud and blossom because I'm called. Fruit at any time, at any stage. It's never too late and it's never too early. Finally tonight, 
there's power to live above the voice of failure. The Bible says that God, after the rod had budded, God said, Moses, take that rod and put it back in the, but put it by the testimony, put it by the ark as a witness to every voice, as a sign to every voice that would rise up against Aaron. What a powerful picture. Folks, tonight, that sign, that budding staff is a sign to us. Sorry, it's a sign to those voices of failure. It's a sign to us. And it's a sign pointing to Jesus. Let's look at it. It's a sign to the voices of failure and accusation. It's God's way of saying, Aaron is my choice. He's my choice by grace. And the evidence is in resurrection power in his life. He's my choice. There are voices that would try and pull you down and out of where God has you. But there's a witness, that testimony of his staff. A God who causes dead things to bear fruit. The witness of a grace that overcomes the mistakes of the past. A faithful God who brings fruit out of broken lives. A testimony to the voices of failure that silence them. You're still chosen. You're still my choice. No matter what the voice of failure says. Look at Isaiah 54 verse 17. But in that coming day, no weapon turned against you shall succeed. Listen, you will silence every voice that rises up to accuse you. Hallelujah. These benefits are enjoyed by the servants of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is how you condemn, silence those voices. He has chosen me. He has chosen me, and he will not change his mind. It's also a sign to Aaron, a reminder to abide in his love, to stay in relationship. The staff was a sign to Aaron. Stay in relationship, Aaron. Stay close to me. Stay in the intimate place so I can speak to you, tell you who I am. John 15, verse 4, Abide in me and I in you, Jesus says, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. There it is. Unless it abides in, my, in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give to you. Hosea 14 verse 8, God says, from me, your fruit comes. Your fruit comes from me. Listen, am I talking to a failure tonight? Am I? You've tried everything. You feel like a fraud. You feel like everyone's going to discover one day that you shouldn't be where you are. First of all, join the club. Secondly, your fruit comes from God. You are called, and he will not change his mind. That, that rod will, bl will, bl will blossom in your life. And finally, 
rather as a sign. Back to Romans 8, 33. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Look at verse 34. Who is it to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who was interceding for us. NLT says, who dares accuse us whom God has chosen for his own? No one, for God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us and is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand pleading for us. Yeah. Folks, there was another priest. There was another priest who died for us rose for us and now pleads for us and we are the fruit that budded from his body the staff still had Aaron's name engraved on it still forever as a witness silencing the voices that rise up to accuse as if to say I've chosen him Jesus is our high priest the Bible says that he bears his name our name engraven on his hands. Hallelujah. Jesus is the rod that budded in his calling. Like the rod, he was set apart and the name of the high priest was put on him in his life. Like the rod, he was common in appearance. No beauty to be desired. Scriptures say in Isaiah, he was a root out of dry ground. In his death, like Aaron's rod, he was laid up with the others on either side one and Jesus in the midst, lifted up on the cross and also for the judgment of God in his resurrection. Like the rod, he budded and blossomed and brought forth fruit. In his ascension, like the rod, he's laid up again before the Lord for a testimony. He is in the presence of God for us. I want you to imagine Aaron, in closing, as he did his duties in the tabernacle, as he walked past the altar of the burnt offering, as he walked past the laver, as he walked into the holy place and saw the showbread, smelled the fresh bread on the right and looked across at the, the candlestick. And even on the one day of the, and, and even the, just before the most holy place, he, he saw the incense burning, smelled it. No matter what Aaron was doing for 364 days of the year, there was a branch beyond the curtain that had his name on it, that budded, although it was dead, in the holy of holies, always. Although Aaron could only enter once a year, his name remained in that place always before the mercy seat. The high priest had a high priest. Even Aaron needed something before the mercy seat as a witness of his choosing, his belonging, his acceptance. The Bible says in Hebrews 7, Jesus became a priest, not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that could be not destroyed. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Be reminded again 
of that tonight, if you've been listening to the voice of failure, be reminded of what lies in the holy of holies just beyond the veil of faith. A great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me, one who knows our weaknesses, one who's ever interceding for us, and one who covered our failures with his precious blood. Jesus, why should I listen to the voice of failure? Aaron could only go in once a year. We have access anytime, anytime, hallelujah, to come and see the rod that budded. Anytime. Will you lift your hands with me as we close tonight? Lord Jesus, why should I, why should I, why should I feel disqualified? You've called me, you've chosen me, and I belong to you. And there is a witness beyond the veil. There's a sign. You are there in the holy place speaking my name. My name's engraven onto your hands. You will always be there to speak to the Father on my behalf. Lord, I know there's been failure in my life, but I thank you, Lord, that there's nothing that I've done that hasn't been covered by the cross. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, folks, I just feel to put out an invitation tonight. I know we're praying and about to close. But if you're here tonight and you can't say for certain that your sins and failures have been covered by the blood of Jesus, if you're living under the voice of failure, can I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus Christ, the great high priest, who took your failures upon himself, dragged them up a hill called Calvary, and hung on a cross in our place. I said, Jesus died for you in your place. You don't have to live haunted by failures. Jesus Christ, his precious blood will wash you clean tonight. You can live above failure and above the voice of failure. There is one who would say to you tonight, if you will put your trust in me, if you will put your faith in my blood and in my cross, I will wash you clean and you can have a confidence that when you eventually stand before the Father, he will welcome you as a son, as a daughter. If that is you tonight, eyes are closed. You can just lift your hand just so I can see it. If there's anybody. Okay, I see a hand there. Hallelujah. Well, I just want to pray with you then. Well, maybe all pray even. You can follow me. It's a simple prayer. Pray it from your heart and the Lord will touch you tonight. Dear Lord Jesus, I have failed. I have sinned. I have fallen short. But I believe that you died for my sins on the cross. I'm asking that you would forgive me I'm turning from my sins toward your love. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried in the grave. And I believe you rose from the dead on the third day. Take my life. 
be the Lord of my life. Wash me with your blood. Fill me with your spirit so I can live for you to the praise of your glory. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for everybody who prayed that prayer tonight. And I thank you, Lord, for everyone in this room who perhaps for the first time in a long time can hear the voice of God amidst the voice of failure. I thank you, Lord, you'll never take back the call. You'll never take back the gifts. You'll never take back your love. Give me the grace to walk in those truths this week and thereafter. In Jesus' name, come on, and we all said amen. Thank you for tuning in with us today. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Cork Church. Also, make sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have any questions at all, you can email us info at corkchurch.com or just check out our website, www.corkchurch.com. Again, thank you for tuning in and see you next time. God bless.